Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arna Chalaramanaya. Oh, Michael. Yes. I mean, I may be wrong, but your your picture has disappeared, and we only have the mountain. I'll start the video again. Oh, there we now, go. Yeah, I've yeah. reappeared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such is the nature of ego: appearing <laughs> and disappearing. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachala Ramanaya. <coughs> Today I'm going to be talking about verse 7 of uh, Sri Aranachakram Lai, and that was Sadhuam, uh, that what I just played was Sadhuam singing that. Um, <coughs> from this verse, Bhagavan is really getting down to the um, to the very heart of what Akshram Lai is all about, which is about our struggle to turn within and to be as we actually are. The nature of the mind is to run outwards. Uh, but the, what we are seeking is just to be as we actually are. So um, this is a struggle between our outward going inclinations, our Vishaya Vasanas, and grace, which is giving us the love just to cling to our own being and to be as we actually are. So that is the, the topic of this and so many, uh, and in various different ways of so many other verses of Akshram Lai. What Bhagavan sings in this verse is, Uneye Matri, Odadu, Ulatinmel, Urudiyai Irupai Arunachala. What that means very briefly is Arunachala. May you be firmly on the mind so that it does not run deceiving you. Um, there are some alternative meanings also, but I will talk about those a little later. Um, the first word of the verse is une, uh, which is uh, an accusative form of the second uh, person singular pronoun, so it means you. And then amatri. Amatri is an adverbial participle that means deceiving, cheating, tricking, defrauding, or confusing. So uneye matri means deceiving you or cheating you. Then the next word is odadu, which is a negative adverbial participle, but literally means not running. But in this context, it's used in the sense of for not running or so that it does not run, it meaning here the mind. So Uneye matri odadu means so that the mind does not run deceiving you. Uh, the next word is ulatin, which is an inflective uh, form of the word ulam, uh, which means heart, or in this context, mind. Ulam can mean heart or mind, but in this context, it means the mind. And ulatin mel, mel means above or on or upon or on top of. So ulatin. Ulatin mel means on the mind. Urudi is a noun that means firmness, strength, or stability. And urudiai is an adverbial form of it. So it means firmly or steadily. Then the verb, the main verb, iru, uh, means to be, to exist, remain, stay, wait, sink, sit down, or be seated. The main meaning is to be or to exist, but these other meanings are also there. Um, and irupai is a form of a verb here. That's a second person singular future form of it. So it literally means you will be. 
but here it's used in the sense of rupai aha, that is as a as an optative or polite Im- imperative. So it's a prayer: may you be, um, or may you uh, sit down firmly. Uh, so, uh, so uh, along with ulatinmel, ulatinmel urudiai irupai means may you be or may you sit down firmly on my mind. And so the whole uh, uh, verse is une e matri odadu ulatinmel urudiai irupai means uh, may you be or sit down firmly on my mind so that it does not run uh, deceiving or cheating you. Um, the, the teaching implied in this verse is, uh, therefore, do not run, just be. That is what Bhagavan is implying here. That is, our aim when we are following Bhagavan's path is not to run about here or there, but just to be as we actually are. Uh, when he talks about running, that's the mind. That means the mind running. Um, so, so that the mind doesn't run outwards. May you, Aranacha, be uh, be seated firmly on it, or be firmly on it. Um, so, what does he mean in this context by running, and what does he mean by being? In brief, running is the nature of the mind, whereas being is our real nature. And in this context, running means going, as I say, it's the mind running, so it means going outwards, away from ourselves towards other things. Whereas being remains, means remaining as we always actually are, resting in the heart without ever going out to do anything or to know anything other than ourselves. <clears throat> um, though this teaching, do not run, just be, which is addressed to us as mind or as ego, um, is implied in this verse. It is expressed in the form of a prayer addressed to Arunachala, asking him to be uh, firmly upon us so that we do not run outwards, uh, associating with anything other than ourselves, thereby cheating him like a fickle and unfaithful wife cheating on her loving and caring husband by spending her time being intimate with other men. When we allow our mind to go outwards, when we run outwards, uh, attending to anything other than ourselves, we are like that unfaithful wife. We are being unfaithful to our beloved Lord Aranachala, uh, like a wife associating intimately with other men. That that is the implication here, because this this is um, the underlying Baba of this song. It's um, it's more explicit in some verses. It's implicit in other verses. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not neither implicit nor explicit in other verses. But the underlying Baba is the bridal Baba. Uh, Bhagavan is the the young girl who has come. Uh, or, or who 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 has Arunach has has uh, entered her home and has uh, uh, eloped with her, dragged her out, and brought her to the cave of his heart, as he said in an earlier verse. So now that that young girl is waiting for the, the, their union, but in the meanwhile, her mind is fickle, going out here and there. So the prayer is: "You be firm on my mind, so it doesn't run outwards." Um, so the, the, the implication is just like an unfaithful wife who goes and associates 
with other men, uh, this mind goes outwards and associates with things other than ourselves, other than our nature, who is our own real nature. So, so that we we do not run outwards in this way, uh, cheating on him. He should be. He should sit firmly on us, or sit firmly on our mind. Um, uh, but the nature of the mind is to run outwards. So uh, we cannot just be as we actually are without the grace of our natural. That's why in Bhagavan expresses this in the form of a prayer, asking uh, asking our natural to be on our mind, because it's only by his grace that we can have sufficient love to cling firmly to our own being, I am, and thereby just be as we actually are. Aranatula is our own being. So his being firmly on our mind and our clinging firmly to our being are not two separate states or not two separate things. They're just two ways of describing the same state. He will not uh, be firm on our mind or sit down firmly on our mind until we are willing to submit ourselves, surrender ourselves entirely to him. But whatever willing, but we cannot... Um, we will not. We will not surrender ourselves to him without uh, great love to do so. So, whatever willingness or love we have to submit to him is only uh, by his grace. His grace shining in our heart is what we experience as a love to turn within and just to be as we actually are. And um, that's why I say he's sitting on our mind. And our clinging to our being, they're one and the same thing. Um, therefore, when Bhagavan uh, uh, prays, Oda Dulatin Mel Urudiai Irupai, Arunachal, may you be seated firmly on my mind um, so, that it, uh, so that it does not run outwards towards anything else. Um, what he implies is, may you shine. Uh, May you shine so clearly and steadily in my heart, but my mind is drawn inwards to cling firmly to you with heart-melting love instead of running outwards in accordance with its fickle and unfaithful nature. Why does the mind run outwards? Because it is seeking happiness in things other than itself. But real happiness doesn't, as Bhagavan uh, teaches, real happiness doesn't lie in anything other than ourselves. Real happiness... Lies only, real happiness is our true nature, which is our natural. So we, uh, out of his grace and compassion for us, he is drawing our mind within to experience the real happiness that we're all seeking, but looking, but which till now we've been looking for in the wrong place. So our nature is always uh, shining clearly and steadily in our heart as our own being, I am. But we've failed to recognize the nature of his being being and shining thus because of the outward running nature of our mind. So long as we are looking outwards, we, we overlook the fact that he is shining in our heart. So he needs to shine within us in such a way that our mind is drawn inwards like a needle being drawn towards a magnet. As he prays in verse 16 of Akshram Lai, what he says in verse 16 is, uh, that means, Arunachala, 
uh, forcibly seizing me like a magnet seizing iron, uh, uniting without leaving, may you be with me. That means may you be eternally one with me. So without ever leaving me, may you unite with me and may we be ever one. But that is, for, for that, he needs to attract us, draw us to him like a, like a, um, like a magnet draws a needle towards itself. Because without that, his, uh, that, that inward drawing power of his grace, we will continue running outwards. It's only when he draws our mind within and gives us the love to turn within to see what we actually are, uh, that by giving us the love to turn within to see what we actually are, he is drawing our mind within. It's only when he does so that we will stop running outside and therefore stop cheating on him. That is the implication. So the, 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 the attraction has to come with uh, from him. So our natural being and shining in our heart in such a mind that our in such a way that our mind is drawn inwards to see him alone and thereby uh, uh, be, uh, the mind is thereby prevented from running outwards to roam about in the world of objects or phenomena is also what Bhagavan prays for when he sings Unarahe Kartu Aranachala in the next verse. That is um, verse uh, eight of Akshram, right? Unarahe uh, Kart means um, means show your beauty. Arunacha, show your beauty. So what he sings in the next verse is, Usutrulam Bidadu Unekandu Adangida Unarahe Kart Arunachala. That means Arunachala, so that seeing you uninterruptedly, the mind, which uninterruptedly roams about the world, will subside, show your beauty. That is, it is only when he, he sh shines in such a way in our heart, but our mind is drawn within to see his beauty, but we will cease running outside and we will, we will, uh, we will uh, see his, we will continue seeing him, looking at him, attending to him uninterruptedly, um, then only the mind will cease its roaming ab about in the world. So that, so that the mind whose nature is to roam about in the world, so that this mind will subside by seeing you uninterruptedly, show your beauty. Um, so Bhagavan is constantly, what Bhagavan is, is indicating to us in, in so many ways in this verse, these verses, is that uh, it be, the driving force between all behind all our sadhana, all our abhyas, all our spiritual practice, is His grace. Without His grace, we will not have the love to turn within and to seek Him within our own heart. Um, so, Arunachala is Atmasarupa, the real nature of ourself, and its nature is just to be without ever rising to do anything or know anything other than itself. It is therefore immutable, and hence it is called achala. Achala means unmoving, motionless. As Bhagavan says in the uh, first sentence of the seventh paragraph of Nana, yatatamai ulludu apmasarupa mandre. What actually exists is only apmasarupa. Um, 
And it is Atmasrupa. Atmasrupa means the real nature of ourself. It is that that which is uh, that uh, our own real nature that Bhagavan refers to in these verses as Aranachala. So since nothing other than Aranachala actually exists, it is Ekam Eva Advaitiam, one only without a second. And hence it is infinite and therefore formless. We are therefore never anything other than Aranachala. But when we seemingly rise as ego, we limit ourselves as the extent of a body, which is a form consisting of five sheaves, but we mistake to be I. Uh, so we seem to be something other than Aranachala. That is, we are, he is our own real nature, but, by our, but because he is infinite, and we, when, by rising as ego, have limited ourselves as a finite form, we seem to be something other than him. Uh, since we have limited ourselves as the form of a body, we uh, we consequently become aware of uh, numerous other forms, all of which seem to be other than ourselves. As Bhagavan points out in verse 4 of Uludunapadu, what he says in verse 4 of Uludunapadu is, Uruvam tanayin uluhu paramatran. If oneself is a form, the world and God will be likewise. That is, why do we see this world as a multitude of forms? And why, why do we see God also as a form? Why can we not truly conceive of God as formless? Because we have limited ourselves as a form. Even when, we, even when we have an idea, a belief, God is formless, that very idea that we have of God being formless is itself a mental form. So we cannot know God as formless so long as we know ourselves as a form. But if we know ourselves uh, as formless, in other words, if we, if we know ourselves as we actually are, we will no longer see him as a form. We will see him as our own real nature. So in the next sentence, he says, Uruvum tan andrel, Uvatrin Uruvate Kan Uradal Yavan Evan. That means if oneself is not a form, who can see their forms how? Kanalal Kakshiondo. That literally means can the uh, can the seen, what is seen, be otherwise than the eye. That the eye means the EYEI. That, that is Whatever is seen is of the same nature of, as what is seen. So if the seer sees itself as a form, it will see everything else as forms. But the real eye, the real eye in the sense of EYE, um, here I, Bhagavan is using the word eye as a metaphor for awareness, but the real eye is oneself, the infinite eye. Um, whatever is infinite is formless. So, but, but what Bhagavan implies is our real nature is formless awareness. And therefore, in the view of our real nature, Arunachala is not a form. Arunachala is nothing other than ourself. Um, since we cannot rise, stand, or flourish as ego without grasping the form of a body as ourself and then grasping other forms as the objects of our experience, the very nature of ourself as ego or mind is to, all, is to be always grasping forms of one kind or another, whether those forms are relatively gross, such as the physical forms of the universe, or relatively subtle, such as the, the mental forms, the thoughts, feelings, 
perceptions, memories, so on. Uh, and we cannot subside or cease so long as we continue to grasp forms. The only means, therefore, by which ego can subside in such a way that we will never rise again is to cling firmly to ourself alone. That is, we as ego uh, will subside only when we cling to our, uh, firmly to ourselves, to our own being. As Bhagavan implies in verse 25 of Uludunapadu, what he says in verse 25 is, Urupatri Undam, he's talking about ego here, Urupatri Undam means grasping form, it comes into existence. Urupatri Nikkam, grasping form, it stands. Urupatri Undu Mika Ongam, grasping and feeding on form, it flourishes abundantly. Uruvitu Urupatram, leaving form, it grasps form. Tedinal Otum Pidicum, Tedinal means if seeking or if sought, it will take flight. That means if it seeks itself, if it investigates itself, if it seeks its own nature, it will take flight. Such is the nature of, as he says, Uruvatra Peya Hande. Uru, Uru, Uruvatra means formless. Pei means a ghost, a phantom, or an evil spirit. Ahande, ego. So the ego he's describing as a formless phantom or formless evil spirit. Um, and then he ends by saying, or, or means investigate or no. Um, so, since ego is a formless phantom or evil spirit, whatever forms it grasps are things other than itself. That is, because it's formless, if it grasps forms, those forms must be other than itself. So in this context, uru, form, means anything other than ego, namely any object or phenomenon. In other words, anything that can be distinguished in any way from any other thing is a form of one kind or another. So long as ego is grasping the form of a body itself and consequently grasping other forms as its food or nourishment, it endures and flourishes. But since it has no form of its own, if it tries to grasp only itself, it will subside and dissolve back into its source, namely satchit, pure, pure being awareness, which is the fundamental awareness of our own being, I am. As Bhagavan implies by saying, if sought, it will take flight. Um, since ego cannot rise, stand, or flourish without grasping form, its very nature is to have strong inclinations to grasp forms. And these inclinations are what are called vishaya vasanas. Uh, vishaya vasanas means, vasanas means inclinations. Uh, vishayas means objects or phenomena. So vishaya vasanas means inclinations to seek happiness in and therefore attend to or, or seek to experience vishayas, objects or phenomena. The nature of ego, therefore, is to constantly run outwards and wander under the sway of its vishaya vasanas. So clinging to our own being and thereby being as we actually are is contrary to the very nature of ourself as ego. However, though clinging to our own being is contrary to the nature of ourself as ego, it is our real nature. So it is only by the grace of our natural, who is our real nature, that we can, uh, that we can be as we actually are. That is, 
so long as we continue rising and, and uh, rising as ego, our nature is to go outwards. So we, without the grace of Aranatcha, without Aranatcha drawing us, uh, attracting our mind back within, we will continue running outwards, seeking happiness in things other than ourselves. Because when we rise as ego, we have limited ourselves. What we actually are is infinite happiness. But when we limit ourselves as the form of a body, we can no longer, we, we, we have seemingly become something finite. So as a finite thing, we cannot experience infinite happiness. So the very nature of ego is to be dissatisfied. We are dissatisfied because we seem to be lacking happiness. Since happiness seems to be lacking in ourselves, we seek it outside. So we, the mind is constantly going outwards, thinking if I get this, if I get that, then I'll be happy. If I have more money, I'll be happy. If I have a better job, I'll be happy. If I study and learn more, I'll be happy. If I have, um, if, if my friends and uh, relatives are kinder to me, if they're more loving and affectionate to me, I'll be happy. So we're constantly seeking happiness in things other than ourselves because it seems to be lacking in ourselves. But happiness is not lacking in ourselves. There's no happiness in other things. True happiness lies only within ourselves. So it's only by going within that we can find happiness. But because the nature of the mind is to, is to, it's a very, from the perspective of the mind, it always seems that happiness is something other than itself. So it seeks it in things other than itself, in things other than itself, external things, in other words. So the nature of mind is to be constantly going outwards. To, that's what the significance of the word uh, Odadu, not running. That is, the nature of the mind is to be always running outwards in search of uh, happiness in this thing or that thing. Outward means not only out into the physical world, even the, the thoughts of the mind, even whatever goes on in our mind, all the thoughts, feelings, emotions, perceptions, likes, dislikes, and so on, all these are external to ourselves, extraneous to ourselves. So, um, this allowing our mind to move away from ourselves, from our own being, is allowing the mind to run. So, in order to stop running, we need to hold on to our own being, and to hold on to our being, we need uh, we need all-consuming love, just to be as we actually are. Um, so it is it is only by the grace of our natural, who is our own being. But we can we can gain the love to turn within and be as we actually are. It is not by doing anything, but Aaron actually enables us to be as we actually are, but just by being as he actually is, which is why Bhagavan prays in this verse, Ulatin Mel Urudiai Irupai Aranachala. Aranachala, may you be firmly on my mind. He's not a He's, he's not asking Arunachar to do anything, but just to be as he is, to be firmly on the mind, to shine in the mind so clearly that we, but we are, but our attention, our mind is drawn back within, to shine so clearly in our heart, but our mind is drawn back within. Um, but Arunachar, in order to draw us back within, Arunachar need not do anything because. Aranatcha is not only pure and infinite being, but also pure and infinite love. Uh, 
uh, because he does not see us or anything else as other than himself. So he loves us and everything else as himself. His love is therefore without any limits. So it is just by his existing and shining in our heart as our own real nature, but he gives us the love required to cling firmly to him and thereby to be as we actually are. Why then do we seem to be devoid of that love, or at least deficient in it? Since he's always existing and shining in our heart as our own being, I am, should we not always have all-consuming love to cling firmly to him? Yes, we should have, and in reality we do have. But uh, that is our, our real nature always has love just to be as it actually is. So we as we actually are always have love to be as we actually are. But we seem to be lacking such love because we have risen as ego. And so under the sway of our Vishaya Vasanas, we allow our mind to run about outside and hence we overlook the presence of Arunachaya in our heart. Therefore, in order to recognize his presence in our heart and thereby be drawn within with all-consuming love for him, we need to try persistently to look within instead of allowing our mind to run about outside under the sway of its Vishaya Vasanas. The more we look within, the more our love to look within will grow. By persistently trying to look within and thereby holding on to our own being, I am, we are yielding ourselves to our nature. We are surrendering ourselves to our nature. And the more we surrender ourselves to him, the less we are obstructing his arrow sail, the working of his grace. That is, so long as we are allowing our mind to run outwards, we are obstructing his grace. Because his, what is the work of his grace? The work of his grace is to draw our mind back within. So if like naughty children, we insist on running around playing about outside instead of staying at home, uh, we are obstructing his, his, his work, which is drawing our mind back within. So we, by, we need to play our little part. We need to try to turn within. As Bhagavan says in the 12th paragraph of Nana, um, God and Guru are in truth not different. Just as the prey that has been caught in the jaws of a tiger uh, can never escape, so those who have been caught in the glance of Guru's grace will certainly be saved by him and will never be forsaken. Aininum Guru Kartya Varipadi Tavaradu Narikavendam. Nevertheless, it is necessary to follow unfailingly in accordance with the path shown by Guru. That is, everything is being done for us by grace. But for grace to do its work, we need to cooperate by surrendering ourselves. And we can surrender ourselves most effectively by turning within and trying to hold on to our own being, I am. By, by holding on to our being, we are thereby subsiding. To the extent to which we subside, his grace is free to work unobstructed, to draw our mind back within. So he's doing his part. We need to do our part. We need to cooperate with him. But even when we're doing our part, it is only his grace that is doing that. 
That is, it is only his grace that is drawing our mind uh, inwards to face him alone. So it is only by his grace that we can surrender ourselves to him. Um, uh, there's a very famous line in Shiva Puranam. Shiva Puranam is the, the first song in Tiruvasakam, uh, sung by Manika Vasaka. That line is often, that is often quoted is, Avanaralale um, Avantal Vanangi, which means worshipping or uh, bowing down to or, or surrendering uh, to him only by his grace. But there's another line before that that people often overlook, but that is the key to understanding. Because in the previous line, Manika Vasaka gives the reason for this. He says, Shivan Avan en Chinteil Nindra Adanal. Since Shiva is always uh, standing or um, abiding or, or existing in my heart, only by his grace can I worship him. That is, he is shining in our heart. Only he can have, uh, only by his grace can he draw our mind within. Because the nature of the mind is always to go outwards. So we can truly worship him. We can truly surrender ourselves to him only when he draws our mind within. But in order for him to draw our mind within, we have to cooperate. We need to at least try to turn our mind within. That is yielding ourselves to the, his grace. That is co cooperating with his grace. So uh, that is what Bhagavan means here when he talks about him uh, being seated firmly on our mind. Um, so it is only by him being seated firmly on our mind that we can be as we actually are and thereby uh, cease running outside forever. So his being firmly on our mind means he's shining clearly in our heart in such a way that our mind is drawn within inwards. And um, so this is what he implies by Uneye Matri Oda Dulatimel Urudia Yerupai Arunachala. Arunachala, may you be seated firmly on my mind so that it does not run about outside deceiving or cheating on you. Um, <clears throat> the first clause of this verse, as I said, is Uneye Matri. This can be interpreted in two ways. The first and most obvious way is to take it as Unei. A matri. Um, uh, une, me, as I explained, means you, and a matri means um, deceiving, cheating, or tricking. So, une a matri means deceiving you, cheating you, or tricking you. Um, but it can also be split another way. In split, instead of splitting it as une a matri, we can split it as une a matri. Uneye is an intensified form of une, so it means you or you yourself. And matri is a um, is a transitive adverbial participle that means changing, altering, or transforming. So uneye matri means changing you, altering you, or transforming you. As I said earlier, our nature is our is Atmasarupa, our own real nature, which alone is what actually exists, and it and which is therefore infinite, eternal, in, indivisible, and immutable. So it can never actually be changed, altered, or transformed in any way. 
However, when we rise as ego and thereby allow our mind to run about outside under the sway of its vasanas, in the view of ourself as Aranachala, we seem to be a subject, a knower, knowing a vast multiplicity of objects or phenomena, things that are known. Therefore, since Aranachala alone is what actually exists, what we are seeing as the subject and the multitude of objects is actually only Arunachala. So by allowing our mind to run about outside, we seem to have changed Arunachala, the one, into all this multiplicity. Uh, that is what uh, Bhagavan means here. So it is this seeming transformation of Arunachala, who is one only without a second, into all this multiplicity and diversity, but Bhagavan refers to in this verse when he sings, Uneye Matri Odadu Ulatinmel Urudia Irupai. That is taking a verse in this sense of Uneye Matri, transforming you or changing you. It means, Arunachala, may you be or be seated firmly on my mind so that it does not run about outside, changing or transforming you. By seeing, implying by seeing you as all this multiplicity. Um, by allowing the mind to run outside, we are seemingly transforming our natural in, in, in another sense also. That is, the nature of our natural is pure being. But by rising as ego and thereby allowing our mind to run about outside, we are seemingly transforming being into rising and doing. As pure being, Aranacha is not actually affected in the least by the appearance of any amount of rising, running, or doing, which occur only in the view of ego, the false rising eye. So being is never actually transformed into rising, doing, running, or doing. But as ego, we mistakenly see our being, I am, as rising, running, and doing. I have risen. I am running. I am doing. So, whatever we may be doing, our being is not affected. We always, whether, whether we are doing nothing or doing many things, our being remains the same. We, we cannot do anything without being. And whether we do anything, as in waking and dream, we're constantly doing, doing actions by mind, speech, and body. Or in sleep, we are not doing anything, but in both states, we are. Well, our being remains unchanged. I am remains unchanged. Um, so the transformation of, of being into doing is not a real transformation. It's a mere appearance. It's totramatra. It's only in appearance that there seems to be a... a, a a, 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 a change, but our being seems to have been changed into, into all this doing. Um, therefore, in order to put an end to this illusory appearance of rising, running, and doing, by enabling us to see our real being as it always actually is, Bhagavan prays to Aranachal on our behalf, Uneye Matri Odadu Ulatinmel Urudiai Irupai Aranachala, meaning, Aranachala, may you be seated firmly on the mind so that it does not rise to run about outside, implying that I'm, re, I'm re, 
really implication into it here. So it does not rise to run about outside, incessantly doing actions by mind, speech, and body, thereby seemingly changing you, the one real being, uh, uh, changing you as all this, uh, or changing you into all this rising, running, and doing. Um, there's another meaning also that is given by Morgana or hinted at by Morgana. That is, this this the wording of this uh, uh, verse also uh, suggests another metaphor, namely a rider controlling an unruly horse by sitting firmly upon it. The mind is like an unruly horse, so if if it is not firmly controlled by its rider, it will run away throwing the rider from its back and thereby becoming free to roam wherever it wills, which in the case of the mind would be to run after all the allurements of the world. That is, the word matri, it means not only changing, it can also mean removing, dispelling, repelling or expelling. So in the case of a horse and a rider, it implies the horse throwing the rider from its back. Therefore, when viewed in the view of the, in the light of this metaphor, uneye matri oda dulatin mel urudiai irupai aranachala also uh, implies or suggests aranachala. May you be seated firmly on the back of this horse, namely my unruly mind, so that it does not run away out of control, expelling or rejecting you by throwing you off its back. So that's also that metaphor also adds more that that is the words in Bhagavan's verses are very, very simple, but often they suggest so many different uh, shades of meaning. I mean, essentially, this meaning isn't different to any of the other meanings, but by bringing in this metaphor of an unruly horse, it it lends a, a another dimension of meaning to this verse. The, the essential meaning is the same, but the, 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 the imagery is, is different. A, a horse running about out of control and throwing its rider, that is different to the... Uh, so uh, the, these, these, these are very subtle meanings. Sometimes Murugana brings out very subtle meanings that are not immediately obvious, until they're pointed out to us, then we can see how fitting this metaphor is to this verse, though we may not notice it at first. Um, but anyway, the, the central idea in all three interpretations of the verse, this verse that I've discussed here is the same, namely that the outward running nature of the mind can be curbed and redirected to sink back within only by the grace of Aranachala, who is what is always existing and shining clearly in our heart as our own being I am. And his drawing our mind back within to face himself alone and thereby to sink and merge forever in him the heart is what Bhagavan describes metaphorically as him being or sitting down firmly on the mind. Uh, just as he in, in another verse, in verse 7 of Aranachapatikam, he describes this same thing metaphorically as Aranachapatikam placing his vast lotus feet on the head of ego, the spurious eye who has risen or come out uh, as if it were something other than him. 
this verse 7 of Arunachapatikam, well, all Bhagavan's verses are beautiful, but this is a very, very, well, we, we can't see any verse of Bhagavan without thinking, oh, this verse is very special. Every verse of his is very special. What he says in this, in verse 7 of uh, Arunachala uh, Patikam is, Bali Bali Tene Mampala Vira Virivaru Puda Paudikangal Veliuli Unnei Andriyin Drenin Veruyan Ar Ulan Vimala Veliadai Ulatu Verara Vilangin Veruena Veli Varuvain Ar Velivara Arunachala Veriviraya Runachala Bavandra Avantalayil Virimala Padatine Vete. What that means is um Bali Baliti ni Mampala Buira Viribru Bodhi Viribru Buddha Bodhi Kangal Veli Unei Veli Oli Unei Andri Indru Enin means if the elements the, the Buddhas, the five elements, namely space, air, fire, and water, and the Bodhikas, that means everything composed of those elements, which spread out uh, or expand or unfold as many living beings, do not exist apart from you. So if all these things do not exist uh, besides you or other than you, uh, and he describes Arunach as Veli Oli Unne. That means the space of light. Uh, that implies light here, implies the light, the light of pure awareness. So he's the space of pure awareness. So if all these things are not other than him, or they don't exist apart from him, Yan uh, uh, who else am I? That implies who, who else am I other than you? How can I be anything other than you? If everything is only you, how can I be something other than you? And then he addresses Arunacha as Vimala. Vimala means blemishless. He's addressing Arunacha as blemishless. Vimala. Veliadai ulatu verara vilangin. If you are shining without another in the heart, uh, shining without Nabha means uh, he is Ekameva Dvaitiyam, one only without Nabha. So he he's shining without anything. There's nothing other than him. Yeah, and he's always shining in the heart. Um, if such is the case, which obviously it is the case, Veru Ena Veli Varu Vain Ah. Who else am I? Uh, so, sorry. Um, who who am I? Who who come out as if another? That is, as when we rise as ego, we seem to be something other than Arunachala. But if if he if there's no nothing, if he is the infinite whole, there cannot be anything other than him. So who am I who have risen as this um, as as if other than you? And then he concludes this verse in the last line with a prayer. Velivarai Arunachala. That means um, <clears throat> uh, come out, Arunachala. That means manifest yourself, show yourself to me. Uh, it implies by drawing my mind back within. That's a, he. He comes out by um, 
It's not literally coming out, but he 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 reveals himself to us by drawing our mind within. So that's the the implication of Velibara. Come out because every line of this verse begins with the word veli. Veli means space, but he's using it in so many different ways. So here, veli vara means coming out. Um, <clears throat> but then the main prayer is veli vara yaranachala aban taleil that means placing the vast lotus feet on his head. What that implies is his head, he, Aban here, refers to the one who's coming out as another, in other words, ego. So placing your vast lotus feet on his head. Um, uh, what that uh, uh, on, that means on the head of ego. So, so this ego, but he's rising and as another. He should place his his vast lotus feet on the head of this ego. So this is a another um, an, another um, metaphor that Bhagavan is using here. It's very close in 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 meaning and imagery to this ulatin mel uludiai irupai. Irupai, as I say, means uh, may you be, but it also implies may you be seated or may you be firm upon or may you sit down upon. So just like he prays to Arunachal to place his his vast lotus feet on the head of ego, in this verse of Akramla, he's praying to sit firmly upon the mind. So the, the, the implication of both of these is the same. Um so it's, as I say, this is a very, very beautiful prayer. Uh, we are nothing other than him, but we seem to have risen as other than him. So it's for him to uh, show himself to us and thereby uh, uh, place his lotus, his vast lotus feet on this, on the head of this ego, so that he's crushed, like um, uh, one of the in one of the um, Puranic story. I think. Uh, um, Mahabali, uh, I've forgotten the exact story, but anyway, uh, Mahavishnu appeared and and crushed the the the, the uh, crushed uh, the, the demon um, with his under his lotus feet. That is what is implied here. Like that, this demon ego needs to be crushed under the, the vast lotus feet of Arunachala. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that the story is he he prayed for for for. For what could be covered with three feet of Vishnu. So that was the earth, the sky, but then where else is the third foot? It is upon his head. And so he 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 uh, Mahabali prayed to Vishnu to place his feet on his head. I, I think so. I can't remember the exact details of the story, but anyway, it's a very nice story. But it, it implies the same thing that Bhagavan is uh, alluding to here, which is placing his feet on the head of ego and thereby crushing this ego. Um, so we will only cease rising when he places his lotus feet on our head and thereby crushes us or when he sits firmly upon our mind. However, we have to do our part as Bhagavan often emphasized. So 
though, though we need to try persistently to turn our mind back within to see what we actually are, which is our natural, we can do so only by his grace, because the nature of the mind is to constantly run about outside, seeking happiness in transient phenomena, instead of sinking back within to find it in the one thing that uh, exists and shines eternally without ever undergoing any change whatsoever in all times, in all places, and in all states, namely Aranachala, the infinite light of pure being awareness, I am. Looking back within to see what we actually are is not difficult, but it does require all-consuming love. And the source of that love is Aranachala, who exists and shines deep within our heart as Atmasarupa, the real nature of ourself. So it is only by his grace that we can gain the love to turn back within and uh, and um, place our head under his vast lotus feet and uh, uh, invite him to place our vast, his vast lotus feet on our head and thereby crush this ego. Um, so in all these prayers, in, in whether it's Aranachakshramlai or Patikam or uh, Navamani Malai, Ashtakam, what Bhagavan is constantly praying is for the crushing of ego, for the for the um, for Aranacha to sit firmly on this mind so that it will not, so that it stops running outwards and uh, cheating on him. By cheating on Aranacha, we are cheating ourselves because Aranacha is our own real nature. Aranacha is the sole source of true happiness. He lies within our heart by allowing our heart to go outwards. We are seemingly cheating on him, but the one we are truly cheating is ourselves. So that we may we may cease cheating ourselves, he needs to place his uh, he needs to sit firmly on our mind so that we subside uh, back into the heart. Or as he says in the next verse, he needs to show his beauty to us so that uh, the mind will be uh, enchanted by him and see him constantly and thereby subside back within. So this is the this is the theme running throughout all of Bhagavan's works. Whether Bhagavan, whether it's the Upadesha works such as Upadesha Undia, Uludu Naptu, Nana, Amabide, Aplapatu, Ekama Panchkam and such works, or whether it is the 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 the, the devotional works such as Arunacha Stuti Panchkam, throughout Bhagavan, there is one common theme, the root cause of all our problems is our rising as ego. That is what we need to put an end to, and for that we need to turn within. But in order to turn within, we need all-consuming love to do so. And that such, since the nature of the mind is to go outwards, we can get such love not from the mind, but only from deep within our heart, from our natural, who is our own real nature. So it is only by his grace that uh, we can succeed. So, as Bhagavan concluded, um, a verse, well, final verse, verse five of Amabide, Arulam Vename, grace is also necessary. Ambu uh, Puname, have love or be adorned with love. In other words, we need to cherish love to turn within in our heart. Oh, that is the love to turn within is the love to. To yield ourselves to grace, to receive His grace in the fullest measure, uh, 
And then he finally says, happiness will appear because happiness is our real nature. And we can experience that happiness only when, by his grace, we turn, we, we, by the, by the all consuming love given to us by his grace, we turn within and merge back into our source. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arana Chalaramanaya.